I'm putting love on the radio, spreading joy everywhere I go. There's no way to hide my hope. Oh, no, this little light of mine. Hey, I'm gonna let it shine. Telling the world to save my soul. The only way I know with love on the radio. Hello, everybody. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM, or wherever you're listening to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Great to have you join me. It was a rushed morning. I barely made it here with two minutes to spare. Luckily, my manager is already here and unlocked the door. Otherwise, it might have been very, very close. It's one of those days. I don't know if you've ever had those types of days. I think we all kind of do, where everything seems a little bit rushed. You wake up, your alarm, you you snooze the alarm because you don't feel good. You jump in the shower and then you check your phone and it says eight minutes till you're live on the air. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I better get running. Anyways, we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. We've also got the president and publisher of Regnery Publishing. He's joining the show in the second half, so you're not going to want to miss that. He's talking censorship, the publishing industry, and really the hypocrisy of the left where they're trying to silence conservative voices You're not going to want to miss that. That's kind of the focus of the show today, censorship and cancel culture. If I had to sum it all up before it's even started, that's kind of where we're going today. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. Hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? (laughs) Leslie, guess what today is? Woo-hoo! All right, so it's October 5th, 2021. It's also National Taco Day. And I know you're thinking to yourself, well, it's Taco Tuesday already. I I know that, Ryan. But it's also National Taco Day. So if you have a chance today at some point to grab a taco, enjoy a taco somewhere. I think Taco Bell's doing some sort of special thing. I I, I don't know for sure, so don't count count on that. But I'm pretty sure you could get a nice taco at Taco Bell or, or even somewhere else. So hopefully you can enjoy National Taco Day. It's actually my favorite food, my favorite meal that I've ever ever consume, ever eat is tacos, any type of taco. If it's a fish taco, a chicken taco, a steak taco, a beef taco, I love them all. They're the very best thing I think that um, food has ever been, the best food that's ever been created. But we're not going to be here today just to talk about tacos, though that would be kind of a fun fun thing to do. We're going to talk a little bit more about a lot of different issues, specifically surrounding what we just saw happen yesterday with Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp, well, all of their pages or their apps or, or the whole system really went under and you couldn't refresh your feed. You weren't able to use it for about, I don't know, I think it was like four and a half, five hours starting at about noon and then it, it regained, it, it re- allowed us to to access the feed and everything. And just that glimpse of having four hours without any of that social media working, it got me thinking, and really I had been thinking about this before it happened to, to talk about, but that that kind of confirmed the, the idea that I want to indeed talk a little bit about life without social media, without these distractions. How much more blessed could it be or how much worse could it be depending on who you are? And Last week we had a different a couple gr- girls on the show and they talked about their different social media consumption habits and different stuff and it got me also thinking about you know what what the difference between the one girl's life Madeline compared to Daisy Madeline described how she she doesn't use social media she's got a lot more spare time to do her homework a lot a lot of um 
really free time to do reading, to do other types of things. And Daisy talked about how great social media was for her and how she loves it and she's always on it. And I think it's just really, it does come down to a preference. But what I was thinking of is this. Is there ever a time in your life today, going forward, where you could turn off your cell phone for two weeks and not worry about picking it up or checking it? Not worry about whether or not someone you know or love is looking for you, searching for you, or maybe you're worrying about them and their safety. I, don't, I, I think a majority of people would have to say that they couldn't turn their cell phone off completely for two weeks. Maybe they have to say it's related to their job. I need to check my email. I, I use my phone for all of these different things. Or maybe it's simply you love music, you listen to music on your phone, you can't, you can't turn that off. I, I, I rely on that music to get me where I'm going every day. But what I was thinking is, can there ever be a time where we choose to turn our cell phones off completely and then for two weeks not pick it up, not use it? And that's something that I really desire. I really want to see what that's like. Will I be less stressed Will I have more spare time to do other things like read or go outside or maybe even paint or draw? And I found the perfect opportunity where I'll be able to do this. So my sister's getting married pretty soon. And so everyone that I care about and love, essentially in my immediate family, will all be there at the same time. So I think this will be my one opportunity in my life where I'll be able to power my cell phone off completely And it'll be during a break, too, so I I won't have a lot of uh, requirements to respond over the holiday. So I could power my phone off for two weeks, not use it, just to see what it would be like. A much simpler time, maybe less stressed, definitely less worried, not going to be reading all of the news headlines. But I wonder, will I even be able to survive it? Because have I become so attached to the cell phone that will I, within one day, two days, three days, be running to my room to grab the cell phone to power it back on? I just need to know the latest update. Hold on, maybe someone messaged me on on my Instagram page. Oh, what if I I forgot to respond to an important email? Uh, What if my friend texts me from out of state? I'd... You see what, what ends up happening is we justify the reasons why we have to turn that cell phone back on. And frankly, I think the whole phone thing has become an addiction for many, including me. You know the, the little app on there that tells you how much time, it's called screen time. How much time you look at your cell phone every day, how many times you pick it, how many times you pick it up, that whole thing. Well, you know, mine's actually a little bit lower than it used to be. But you end up spending hours and hours on your cell phone. And and it records it for you. You can see, like, how many times did I pick it up? What apps do I use the most? It's fascinating. If you have any time today, open that up if you have an iPhone. It'll show you what you're really addicted to on that phone. And the reason why I'm talking about this, the reason why I I decided to kind of 
spend a good chunk of time discussing what it would be like to be free of the phone, even for just a two-week period, is because we always say that we're so busy. I'm just really busy today. I've got three meetings to do. I got a couple classes to go to. Hold on. I got to run to something. I can't talk right now. I'll catch you later. Today's, today's really slammed. Let's schedule it another day. You hear that every day by a lot of different people. You say it a lot every day. But then you can check that screen time app on your phone and it says that you've wasted two, three, four, maybe even five hours a day staring into nothing larger than an index card. It's kind of shocking, really. And how about Let's take it a a step further. Are we too busy to spend time with God? Now, I'm guilty of this. I justify why I didn't get to have time this morning to uh, to prayer, to to just do a prayer, even, even a simple prayer saying, Lord, help me to do this show well today. I can easily justify, well, you know, I was exhausted. I didn't fall asleep until later than I wanted. When I woke up, I, it was hard for me to get out of bed. I still had to take a shower. And, you know, I, time got away from me, that warm water on my chest. And, you know, I, next thing you know, I, it was 10 minutes and now I had to run to the studio. I never got to pray. I'm sorry. How about for you? Do you have time to pray, to hear from God, to speak to God, to allow the Holy Spirit to communicate both your message to Christ and Christ's message to you. Do you have time for that? Let's phrase it another way. What if the president of the United States, maybe you're not a fan of Joe Biden, just think of Donald Trump. And if you're not a fan of Donald Trump, think of Joe Biden. What if the president of the United States, I don't know, called your cell phone, You pick it up. Hello, this is President. Fill in the blank. Now, would you say, sorry, I'm actually too busy right now to talk to you. Can we do this another day? Would you do that? I highly doubt it. How about this? You get a letter in the mail. It says from the White House, from the president. Would you open that letter right away or would you just kind of have it sit on a shelf somewhere or on your nightstand or maybe on the kitchen counter. I'll get to it when I can, you know. Jesus Christ, folks, is so much greater than any president. So much more powerful, so much more loving, so much more knowing, so much more caring. He is free of sin. He is the creator of the universe, the creator of every single living thing. And he desires to speak to you. He desires it more than anything to get to know you, to build a relationship with you, to help you through the struggles and the trials that you go through every single day. See, you see, the phone is ringing and Jesus is on the other line. Mail has arrived 
And it's the word of God written specifically for you. Now you might say, Ryan, well, it's just, it's that same book written centuries ago. I mean, I've read some of it. I I know some of it. How is it specifically written for me, Ryan? What are you talking about? Well, Scripture is inspired. The Holy Spirit speaks through it. It's a living word. And when you say living, it means that it addresses specific concerns, specific desires, specific needs, specific worries that you are dealing with today. I can't tell you how many times I was disinterested in reading the Bible. You know, I've read it before, the same kind of logic that you might go through. I'm busy. I got stuff to do. I got a test tomorrow, okay? Don't be so hard on me. You know, that that type of stuff. But then when you get to opening it, God is always faithful to reveal something in his word, something that will speak much deeper in your soul, will address a specific desire, a specific concern that's so much more powerful, greater, stronger than anything else you could find on maybe TikTok or your Instagram feed or your Twitter feed. Better than anything you could be even reading in a, in a textbook. And the awesome thing is God cares about everything that you worry about. He hears your prayers. So I'm not saying like, hey, I'm not going to study. I'm just going to spend four hours with God and see what I get on my test. Now, personally, I believe that that would be actually a better use of your time. And I know professors aren't going to be happy if they hear me say that. But it would, in fact, be a better use of your time to spend the full amount of time that you spend on studying for something, reading the Bible. Why? Well, because you actually get to know the creator of the universe. You develop a relationship with God who is so much greater than any test. He could snap his finger in an instant and help you get an A on that test. He could cancel that test as fast as it took him to snap. Once we start understanding the the power of God and the sovereignty of God, I think our priorities will get back in order. And that's something that I'm working on. You see, I'm guilty just as much of what I'm saying. You might say, well, that's a little hypocritical. Well, God puts it on my heart to share it with you. I share it with you. But just so you know, I don't have everything together. I don't even have half of everything together. I couldn't even make it to the studio with five minutes to spare to print out the sheet that I had a little bit of ideas of what I wanted to talk about on the show. My hair's wet. It's uncombed. I'm in sweatpants, okay? But the goal of this program is to just allow the Holy Spirit to take center stage. For me, Ryan Young, to actually decrease and God to increase. You see, nothing that God wants more than to get to know every single person that's listening right now. Now, he already, in fact, knows you. He loves you. He made you in your mother's womb. He predestined you for a beautiful plan, for a purpose on this world. 
But the question is, have you gotten to know him? Do you know Christ? You might know that he's the son of God. You might know that there's scripture about him. You might have heard a sermon or two or three, or maybe you've been in church for years, but do you know Christ? Are you consumed by his love, his mercy, and his goodness? And does that love consume you at such a level that you want nothing more than to worship him, to praise him, and to share his love to your brothers and sisters? Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean that there aren't going to be giant mountains that you have to climb in dry, inane, torturous valleys and deserts that you have to crawl through. I'm not saying that. The Christian life isn't easy. And it's especially not easy with what we deal with today. Censorship of conservative principles, of Christian principles, an administration that continues to attack fundamental Judeo-Christian values. It's not easy, but where do you find your strength from? Where do you find your joy from? If it's from your Instagram feed, I'm sorry, but that is going to leave you empty. If it's from performing well in a class, I'm sorry, again, that's going to leave you empty at the end of the day. You can't put anything on the pedestal above Jesus. And I've said this before, when I'm on the throne in my life, misery follows. I'm meaner. I don't care as much. I don't do as well. I'm out of God's peace and his love. But when Jesus is on the throne, I decrease. I hear his voice. I'm more joyful because I know that at the end of the day, no matter what someone tries to do to me, no matter what temptations follow, what trials and tribulations come, I know that Jesus reigns and that I will be reunited with him in heaven for all of eternity free of pain, free of worry, and filled completely with his divine love. And friends, if you don't know Jesus, just know that he knows you. He cares about you. And welcome him into your heart. He knocks at the door patiently, And sometimes he's a little bit more bold. He grabs our attention just like he did Saul on the road to Damascus. He blinded him. And now we know Saul to be Paul. We talked a little bit about this in church recently. But I urge you today to make the choice. To put your hands in the air, say, I surrender, Lord, help me. And I promise you, He will not let that prayer return void. 
Choose ye this day whom you shall follow. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. That's right. We got some good news today. And this story you've never probably heard. You Highly unlikely that you could have ever heard it because it's one that was actually hidden and it's not one that anyone else might have even observed. This was at a local arcade place, one of those places where you can uh, play those little kids games and, and there's all sorts of different things that you can buy. Well, a young woman and her little daughter, very young, probably four or five, she was up at this those little things where you, where you put the money in and, and it's like the claw and it goes to grab that stuffed animal and pulls it out. Well, this woman was trying to win this little pink and purple stuffed animal doll for this little girl. And she kept trying and trying and trying. It was four or five tries. She couldn't get it. And a little boy who was like maybe five, maybe six, comes running up after the, the woman and, and the little girl was all sad and crying and they go back to their seat. The young boy runs up, puts his money in, wins the stuffed animal, runs to the the little girl hands it to the little girl and says I won this for your daughter and gave it right to her and that blessed that little cup that couple and everyone observing it transformed them and it made a difference even in the most small way can you make a difference like that today that's my question for you I'm Ryan Young and we'll be right back with a special interview with Thomas Spence the president and publisher of Regnery Publishing we'll be right back All right, everybody, welcome back to the Ryan Young Show. I'm Ryan Young on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Joining me now is president and publisher of Regnery Publishing, Thomas Spence. He's here to discuss the publishing industry, censorship, and the hypocrisy of the left. Mr. Spence, it's great to have you on the show. And I guess happy Banned Books Week. Yes, indeed. We're uh, coming up on the end of it. This this week is Banned Books Week. Okay, so I saw your op-ed in the Wall Street Journal about it. What is this holiday? And I guess who really created it? What's going on here? Yeah, Banned Books Week is a an annual promotion that's sponsored by the American Library Association and the American Booksellers Association and, and some other organizations. Those are the main two. It's been going on since, I think, 1982, so for quite a while. Uh, it purports to be a way to uh, encourage people to buy and read you know, banned books. But the, the question is, 
what what is a banned book? And if you if you go to your local public library this week or to a, a bookstore and you see the display <clears throat> for banned books week, you may be uh, puzzled to see that that all of the books being promoted. Um, don't seem to have been banned. And in fact, most of them have been huge bestsellers. Right? Wow. So, so the, the question is, what do they mean by banned books week, and by, by banned books? If I, if I tell you, Ryan, that a, that a particular book has been banned, what, what do you assume? I would assume it's something conservative or Judeo-Christian values or maybe Huckleberry Finn, something around there. Right, 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 right. But I mean, what do you think has happened to it? Uh, that it's no longer allowed, well, I, no longer allowed on the marketplace. I don't know. Right, right. Okay. I think that's what most people would think. You know, when we talk about a banned book, we think of the Soviet Union and you know Alexander Solzhenitsyn or the Bible, things like that. Right, right. In other words, a book. If a book is banned, some authority has made it unavailable to the general public, to most to people who want to get it. Right. Mm-hmm. And banned books week is not about that at all. The books that are promoted in libraries and bookstores are, for the most part, uh, books by left-wing authors on, you know, some woke topic, usually something related to sex or gender and and race. There are some others. There's a handful of uh, old classics. You mentioned Huckleberry Finn, you know, that's Mm -hmm. typically promoted in this. But, But what these books supposedly have in common is that somewhere... Someone has objected to that book being available in a particular setting. It's typically in a school. So if, if a parent in Peoria has objected that his six-year-old is, you know, being given Heather has two mommies in his elementary school library, mm-hmm. well, then that counts as a, as a banned book for Banned Books Week. Wow. So it's, you know, it's a bit of a joke, I think. There's a certain amount of hypocrisy. And the books that are, well, let's just say there's, there's a, a, an easily identifiable I, ideological slant to the list of books that mm-hmm. get promoted at Banned Books Week. And they're not conservative books. Okay. The reason I wrote this op-ed in the Wall Street Journal that has provoked this interview <laughs> is that this year, 20. 21, for the first time, I would argue, at least in, in a long time, in the United States, we really are starting to see some, some true book banning. In other words, attempts to make books uh, generally unavailable, to make them disappear. Mm-hmm. That's new. And uh, Curiously enough, none of the books that have been subject to that are going to appear in any banned Books Week promotion at your library or bookstore. Wow. So it sounds like, to me, the ones that are actually morally degrading or actually harmful to our youth are the ones that Banned Books Week are promoting, but then the ones that touch on conservative principles aren't being mentioned in this week. That's right. That's right. All right. So it's it's ideologically one sided, and it's also factually one sided, right? There are no no banned books in banned books week, (laughs) and the banned the books that are banned aren't there. Mm -hmm. 
What books has Amazon or these other corporations really, I, I don't know who all are the major players right now, I assume Amazon, are um, censoring mm-hmm. your books from Regnery? Yeah, well, there there are a couple of a couple of things that have happened that that I wrote about. Uh, one involves Amazon. So Amazon is is something very new in human history. I suppose you've grown up with Amazon always there, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I remember, yeah. yeah. When I, you know, until just a few years ago, if if you wanted a book that was not you know, it, it could be a lot more difficult to put your hands on any given book, unless it was something new that was, you know, going to be in your local bookstore. Um, so, and the other, the other thing was that um, when I got in, when I started in book publishing, know, 25 or 30 years ago, Amazon was didn't exist, I think, and and it was, or just beginning mm-hmm. to get our books into any bookstore, you had to persuade the buyers there to take them. And the book business, as you probably know, at every level is is pretty dominated by the left, right? So the the buyers at the the chain bookstores and the independent bookstores are not generally very welcoming to conservative titles. They'll they'll buy them occasionally if they think that it will sell. That there's enough demand, but it's you've got a hostile audience there. When Amazon came along, all of a sudden that problem was solved because Amazon would take, you know, virtually anything. And suddenly our books were available to anybody on earth who wanted to get them. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was nice. That was a great development for us. Good for, good for independent publishers, small publishers and, and conservative writers, but it's a double-edged sword because, uh, now Amazon has come to dominate the book business. Um, you know, to to an extent that a lot of people are starting to call it a monopoly. And uh, if a book is not carried by Amazon, then it's, for all practical purposes, invisible in the marketplace. Wow. So people on, particularly on the left, the forces of wokeness, have realized that they can get rid of a troublesome book by getting it off of Amazon. No, that's maybe easier said than done, but that's that's become the goal, and they they do that the same way same way that they ban books, you know, in other settings from universities, from school curricula. They say, well, that a particular book is, uh, you know, damaging. It's hate speech. It's hate speech, so it's undeserving of any protection. It's misinformation, whatever. So the first book that I'm aware of that that they succeeded. In, in removing from Amazon was a book called When Harry Became Sally by Ryan Anderson. And uh, that book is a, is a discussion. It, it's a, an analysis of the transgender movement. Okay. It's a, it is uh, as far from hate speech as you can imagine, but it's, it's critical of the transsexual agenda. And the uh, Amazon employees who d- did not like it were able to persuade the company to remove it from uh, from Amazon.com. So overnight, without warning and with no explanation to the author or the publisher, which is in Counter Books, that book disappeared. Wow. And, you know, Amazon is where people generally go. You hear about a book, you go to Amazon to learn about it and then to buy it. Mm-hmm. So it, so- it sounds to me... Regnery published... 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, it sounds to me like what, what's taking place on Amazon and in the book publishing industry is very similar to what's taking place uh, with social media right now in the censorship of yes. we saw President Trump and all sorts of different conservative voices. Yes, it, it's it's exactly the same thing, and uh, and it's you know kind of equally as dangerous. If you know, t- Twitter is not the only way to express yourself, <laughs> but but it's a p- pretty important way, right? Mm-hmm. And and for a lot of people, it's their main platform. This is the case with another one of our authors, Alex Berenson, who writes about. Uh, he's a reporter who covers the, the pandemic and COVID and criticizes the sort of official public response to it. Twitter banned him for life uh, a couple of weeks ago. That was his main platform, suddenly gone. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with, with Amazon, except I suppose Amazon dominates book sales even more than any you know, single social media site. But uh, we published a book, Regnery published a book called Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreier, who uh, I happen to have here in my hand a copy of Imprimus from June, July, which nice. features a, a talk that Abigail gave at Hillsdale. Mm-hmm. And uh, a group of employees that called themselves Glamazon petitioned the company to remove the book because it was hate speech and it was, you know, unacceptable. This is a book by an extremely serious journalist and lawyer who had done all kinds of research, and it's a serious treatment of a serious topic. Mm-hmm. She looks at the, um, the effects of the transgender m- m- craze on teenage girls. And that petition went through the review process at Amazon, and our sources told us it went all the way to the top. Wow. There was never a word said to the author or to the publisher that this book was under consideration for for banning. And in the end, someone at Amazon seems to have been able to protect it, and they decided not to remove that book. But that book was on trial for its life. Right, mm-hmm. it was uh, came within a whisker of of vanishing. Wow. That's the power of Amazon, and that's the power of, of a small but savvy and determined group that were uh, almost able to ban that book. They they succeeded at Target. You can't buy the book from Target. Target's not nearly as important as Amazon for book sales. Right. right. So yeah, and uh, you know they are not gonna they're not gonna stop right because. The, the power that, that is within their grasp, if, if they can start removing books from Amazon, they're going to be the, uh, the censors for the country. Right. How do, we, how do we fight back against this? Are there any lawsuits that you've um, gotten involved with? No, well, we are not involved in any lawsuits uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this case, the, the, the petition, the move to ban that book failed. Mm-hmm. If... Uh, if it were to go the other way and uh, Amazon were to start taking our books down, we would have to consider, you know, what legal recourse we might have. It's, of course, very expensive and time-consuming and cumbersome to bring a lawsuit. But, um, but Amazon is... I'm all in favor of private enterprise, and I don't think... I think somebody who runs his business should for the most part, be left alone and allowed to sell what he wants, right? right? right. But Amazon is not your standard business. They're, they have become more like your electric company. You know, they're, they're uh, almost like a utility. So people are, are looking at the, uh, 
antitrust arguments there, and we'll we'll see see what happens to Amazon. But in the meantime, it's it's important for people to to be vocal to protest. I mean, I think they do listen to customers and mm-hmm. um, and just to be aware of what's going on because uh, there's no announcement when they decide to take a book down, right? So right. somebody somebody needs to make a fuss. Well, you're making that fuss, and I'm I'm happy. <laughs> We're trying. Yes, that's right. Now you might think, aha, the perfect vehicle for protesting this is Banned Books Week, which you know the American Booksellers Association promotes. Shouldn't they be all over this? And and since they represent independent bookstores, they generally don't like Amazon anyway. They'd like to give Amazon a black eye. Mm-hmm. But curiously enough. The American Booksellers Association has not written to the defense of Abigail Stryer's book, Irreversible Damage. And in fact, they have led the charge against it, which is another story I have, which was the, the, the American Booksellers Association is a trade group that represents independent bookstores, which is a generally a very left-wing group of people. Mm-hmm. We find it difficult to sell our books to get those, these independent bookstores to carry Regnery's conservative books. Um, but we, we decided to take advantage of a program that the ABA offers called the, the white box mailing. So every two months, the ABA, uh, for a fee, will, will mail a, a small box full of a few review copies of books to all of their members, 750 independent bookstores across the country. Wow. And we decided to do that with irreversible damage. We thought there's actually a certain appeal of this book to liberal readers because a lot of feminists have praised the book because there are some feminists that have a problem with the transgender thing. You know, turning women into men mm-hmm. and doing it, especially when they're young, vulnerable girls, is not necessarily a feminist goal. Right. So we, we decided to pitch the book to this, a new group and you know, see what we could do. So this book, or, or this summer, went out in the mail to 750 independent bookstores uh, as part of the ABA's mailer. Mm-hmm. Well, the box arrived at a bookstore in Brooklyn where a clerk opened it up and was aghast to discover, among this handful of books, one which appeared to contradict her deeply held views wow. on a subject that she was passionate about. Mm-hmm. This is a person who works in a bookstore. You might think she would be prepared to encounter varying viewpoints. You would think. <laughs> she was so, yeah. She was so horrified that she did what everyone does now when, when he's upset. You go to Twitter, right? So she went onto Twitter and she tweeted out a picture of the book and ex- excoriated the ABA for offending her by sending this book to her. Wow. The ABA instead of resp- well instead of either ignoring her or <laughs> responding you're a bookstore why don't you grow up yeah, and exactly. no one's forcing you to sell that book it's mm-hmm. just a review copy to look at uh, the ABA issued a, a an apology that was so craven that you would have thought it was a parody and they said what we did in sending that book out was inexcusable and was an act of violence they oh actually goodness. called it an act of violence and promised never to do it again, to review all their procedures and basically start censoring the books that they send out to bookstores, you know, to, to review. 
Mm-hmm. And then they followed it up a few days later with a, a much longer statement repeating everything they'd said about this being a violent act. So this is an organization, the American Booksellers Association, that is the chief co-sponsor of Banned Books Week. Wow. And yet there they are leading the book banners. They don't, they don't want a bookstore employee to even encounter an unpleasant opinion you know, in the form of a book. So it's, that's, it's pathetic. It's beyond parody, but that's, right. that's where we are. It's laughable at first until you realize that, wait a minute, this is actually taking place, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking, I was looking into different um, laws and different things to see if someone were to challenge this and say it ends up landing somewhere in the Supreme Court. I saw a Supreme Court decision mm-hmm. in 1982, Board of Education, Island Trees Union, Free School District v. Pico. They ruled 5-4 that public schools cannot remove books simply because they dislike the ideas contained in those books. I know you have a law background. Uh, do mm-hmm. you think that this could, mm-hmm. this could be like a precedent uh, for the Supreme Court? Uh, you know, maybe they, they, they make a, a, a big deal about that decision actually in banned books week because they're all, they're concerned that books not be removed from school libraries, but it's mm-hmm. generally, you know, they, they don't want parents to be able to remove the Marquis de Sade from your elementary school library. Oh, okay. Um, the, the, the problem here is that Amazon is a, is a private party, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, generally private businesses don't have to sell uh, merchandise that that they don't want to sell. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not absolute. And uh, I suppose one argument against it is that, well, we we force certain businesses that are public accommodations to, to, to serve all comers, right? So a restaurant can't turn you away because you're black or because you're white or, or whatever. Um, and it, it may be that Amazon is becoming, uh, so powerful that it's, uh, it, it, it cannot be treated like, uh, you know, a mom and pop bookstore on main street. Right. We'll, we'll see right now there, the, that, that kind of, uh, law doesn't, doesn't cover Amazon because it's not, it's not, uh, public, it's not the school district, you know, it's not part of the government, but, um, I think whatever the legal, legal recourse might be down the road, the main, the most important thing is just publicity is getting the word out and people people uh, screaming about this when it happens, right? The American Booksellers Association should not be able to do something as outrageous, utterly inexcusable and hypocritical as what they did with Abigail Schreier's book. Right. And, and, and get away with it, you know, not pay a price in the marketplace. People need to know. And then they turn around and sponsor banned books week. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to, we try to get the word out on that and you can do it with outrage, and you can also do it with humor. You know, yeah. most of these cases where somebody's canceling or banning or removing a book, the, the people look like idiots right. when right. when it's showing like this, like that that poor clerk at the bookstore in Brooklyn. You know, what a pathetic person. Mm-hmm. Um, if Amazon starts removing our books, that gets a little more serious, right? Because mm-hmm. then the book's not not available for sale. 
Well, Mr. Spence, I appreciate you taking the time to share this story and getting it more and more public and remaining civil at the same time because it's so easy to get worked up with these woke leftists. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Ryan, thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored to be on Radio Free Hillsdale. I'm a huge fan of Hillsdale. Thank you. One of my daughters-in-law went there. Nice. uh, Class of 12, I believe. And uh, I admire the place enormously. It's so important. It becomes more important every day. So good for you and good for you for uh, getting your start in radio. You've done a great job with this interview. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate that. You've been listening to The Ryan Young Show live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'll see you Thursday. Have a beautiful and a blessed day.